besides like marrying my wife, I'd say moving to Colorado and working a basement, two best decisions I ever made. I found myself, you know, I found what I was good at, what I liked. And I never would have done that back east. I never would have challenged myself like I did out here. I don't, I, I am positive I wouldn't have been nearly as successful. Like I would not have been a firefighter if I stayed back east. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I am here with Tom Schofield, who is a firefighter in Thornton, just north of Denver. How are we doing today, Tom? Doing well. Doing well, Joey. First, I want to ask how you got into the fire, the firefighting, and then kind of talk about what happens during the job, during the everyday. Um, so I've been a firefighter for about two years now, career firefighter. I uh, never had any experience in it before, um, like no certifications, no volunteer work. But I did get to work with uh, volunteer firefighters up uh, ski patrolling at my other at my uh, other job. Didn't know too much about the job. I mean, you know, kind of growing up and of like firefighting and kind of what they do and everything. Getting into kind of the ski patrolling job, I got a little taste of it. And uh, just talking with him a bunch and working with him a bunch, they said a lot of that ski patrolling does translate into firefighting, um, whether it's... Um, just the EMS, just working under stressful situations, working outside, working with your hands. But then a lot of it was also having more of a family atmosphere. You know, with ski patrolling, it's a crew, then it's a very tight knit crew, and it's the same. It's the exact same with firefighting. I mean, honestly, like working at it now for two years. I mean, it's 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 such a unique job for me. I work a forty eight on and then a 96 off. So two days on straight and then uh, four days off. So four days off and the weekend's nice, 48 hours on, you are literally just ready to go working for whatever the job throws you, but you're living with a crew for 48 hours. And it's such a unique thing to kind of just work with these people because like normal, like nine to five jobs right, or whatever, like, you know, you go home at the end of the day, regardless of whatever your day throws at you. You're still stuck with them at the end of the day and then to dinner, you're having meals with them and everything. So they were just kind of letting me in on that a little bit, you know, and I was like, wow, like, you know, if there's a lot of different like kind of like parallels with this job and, uh, you know, it seems like it'd be a really good opportunity, really good challenge for me. It's pretty competitive down here in Denver. Um, when you're applying for a job, it's you versus like 5,000 applicants. And then they finally you know, get it narrowed down to about maybe five to 10 if you're lucky. So I was one of those extremely lucky people. I mean, that sounds like a great schedule, the two days on, but then you have four days straight off yeah. yourself. Yeah. I will say the schedule's great. I will tell you though, like for me, one of the hardest adjustments starting this job, it was adjusting to that schedule twofold. One, it's just, you know, just grinding through for 48 hours because we'll work through the night. I mean, we're technically like we're working, but we'll be sleeping because you need sleep. But when calls come in, like you have to wake yourself up, collect yourself. And it's any call. It could be an EMS call, like a motor vehicle accident or a fire. And you have like a minute just to collect yourself to when you get to the uh, 
engine or ambulance, you should be in game time mode. That was one of the biggest challenges, I'd say, with that. And then also with working 48 hours, it's funny, like, you know, with the four days off, I really count that first day of the four as just this day of just like recovery, you know, mental recovery, physical recovery. I'll tell you, there's not much that goes on that day. Like, you know, I don't really plan anything. I don't really like, you know, it's just kind of like, kind of just trying to recover. So it's tired like I never felt, but the four days off is nice. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Usually I say, tell me how a normal day is for in a job, but for you, there's no normal, I guess, in that situation, but maybe uh, pick a recent shift you had and can you kind of walk me through it? The the 48 hours? Sure. Well, I mean, before even there, so like kind of, it's just to getting to online, like they put you through say um, a three to four, about a four month academy. And um, this academy is, you know, it's, it's very paramilitaristic, like, you know, type of job where it's kind of like, you know, like a lot of basic training stuff, like equivalent style trainings and there's classrooms and then there's hands-on skills. So you have to get through the four months first and that was tough. And they're really kind of grinding you and just making sure you're ready to go online. And then, um, then you have to go through their probation. And so it was, uh, yeah, about four months of, ba- of, uh, of the academy. And then it was about six, seven months of uh, probation. And the probation was equally just as tough as, say, the, uh, um, the academy. And the probation is where you're learning this job. And um, you're also trying to just earn the trust of your crew and, you know, really try to improve yourself to the crew. And really, not, I mean, nothing's really a given. Like, you know, you, you know when you start a job, you get hired. But like, you know, when you start fire job, it's really, it's, it, that's when the proving yourself actually starts, if that makes sense. And, uh, and I mean, like you see people as they call like wash out in Academy and it's whether it's say like injuries, whether it's say, um, like physically, physically not being able to handle it or the, or the, uh, academics part, not passing all the tests, or it's just kind of not handling the stress, um, the stress inoculation training that they use because, um, you have to be able to think and act under obviously stressful situations. And a lot of the times if you, when you're in like, say like burning buildings and other places, you have to do it under like with a mask on and never having to wear something like that before. I never did any scuba training or anything like, like it was, it was a lot of learning and a lot of adjusting. So it's, and it gets really stressful when you start to wear the mask, you know, they really, they really put you through the grinder and make sure you are ready to go. So, sorry. So that was a little backstory, but you know, when you get to, uh, going, um, and starting like, you know, a shift. And so now I'm off probation, you know, we show up around say six 30, but, um, our shift technically starts around seven. Uh, but we get there around six 30 just to, uh, you know, just check in, say hi to the crew. The crew should be waking up at that point. And, uh, you know, for me, like, you know, I've been working on a more of an ambulance, um, lately, but uh, we still respond to fires. Like we'll carry a bunk of gear. We just do EMS. We do every call still. Like some ambulances and some fire departments only do EMS. But our ambulances still respond to fires. We do every call. With us, it's just kind of checking the med bags, checking in with um, the crew that's been in the in the unit before you, so they can kind of tell you, oh, it's been running good, or take a look at this. And then it's just kind of talking about what happened with their set, things that we need to do for our set. Yeah, then the then the show really starts for us for the set. Um, starts out with shopping. We'll shop for the whole set and uh, get meals. We'll try and plan meals so not everyone's cooking 
not every not one person's cooking every meal and uh, we try and spread it out so everyone is trying to cook and i'll say uh <laughs> definitely gotten a lot better at cooking since i started unfortunately my crew had to uh be a part of me while i started when i wasn't as good at cooking so <laughs> but uh now you get a little better they try and help you out um with that but it's it's really it's really cool so um you know you buy your meals and um and i'll just kind of say like you know just, this is without calls say if you didn't have calls so um you'll have trainings um so we have scheduled trainings at least once a set whether it's ems when i say a set that's the 48 hour kind of like set. So for right. a set, like, well, we usually have an EMS or a fire training. Um, and we'll do that as a crew. So it's the, it's the engine and the ambulance at a station. And so it's usually about five of us. So the three, uh, people in the engine and then the two people in the, uh, personnel in the, uh, ambulance. So we'll do like kind of these like scenario trainings, like, you know, uh, Oh, like fires over here. Like we'll drive to like a location within our district so we can kind of learn the buildings around fires over here so let's just kind of like literally throw hose charge it like you know and it's funny like you know when we're doing this because we kind of freak people out a little bit in our uh, neighborhood because they're like is there like a fire going on and you're and just doing the training yeah we're just doing the training we're like no no no, it's fine it's fine there's no reason to panic so but uh and then it's ems trainings as well so i mean because i want to say like a lot of our calls are ems and so, yeah, we have a lot of EMS trainings as well. So those take up a good chunk of the day. But then it's it's a family atmosphere. We cook together. We clean together. We eat together. You know, we watch, like, you know, we can kind of talk and hang out together. You know, it's, it's, it is a very much a family atmosphere for the 48 hours. And so you'll go through breakfast. Uh, you go through lunch and dinner. Most of the stations I, I work at, I mean, there's not really a slow station in Thornton. You'll be running calls throughout the day anyways and kind of just keeping up with the ems reports and like i said it's mostly ems but um and then yeah you have your own personal trainings as well that you're kind of doing like uh city authority sends us emails um to where we have to do a lot of like city trainings and like hr trainings and then there's like more fire specific trainings as well so you're pretty busy throughout the day and then come after like you know in the evening time that's really i what i like to think of as family time you know, it's like, oh, like, you know, after dinner, we'll hang out. We'll hang out at the table for like an hour or two and just talk. You know, we'll get on a good topic and we'll just start talking about it. And, you know, before you know it, it's like 930 or 10. Like I said, it's a surreal, unique thing where you're just hanging out with people for 48 hours nonstop. So you really get to know people and they really get to know you. And then, yeah, you go to bed, but, you know, you'll get these calls in the middle of the night. And I'll tell you, that was one of the hardest adjustments is just... I mean, waking up for me in the middle of the night, you know, and I'm sure for most people is really hard, but you hear those tones go off and it's just like, I didn't know how I was going to react when I first started this job. You know, you hear them go off and it's just like, all right, like, am I going to panic? Am I going to run around the room crazy? Like, oh my gosh, there's a call, you know, and you get, you get a little better, like kind of just like, all right, it's a call. It's fine. And you kind of slowly walk out and you're just trying to, like I said, collect yourself because, you know, you're turning on your vehicle. You got to go on, you got to get your lights going and then you got to be ready to roll for whatever the call is. And it can be anything overnight. Like I've woken up to just, you know, your simple EMS calls to like, you know, CPRs, like big calls to like just crazy motor vehicle accidents and even like structure fires, you know, you'll wake up and you have to collect yourself and be ready to roll at any time at that 48 hours. It's definitely pretty, 
pretty hard, pretty unique with uh, like the set. It's just basically going through like the day of just like you have your meals and your trainings. You know, sometimes you have a few uh, like station visits, like, you know, maybe some of the schools or some groups will come by and we give them some station visits. You know, we get to show uh, little kids kind of what's in our fire engine and stuff like that. It's really cool, you know, and we're just trying to be ready to go. So whenever the call drops, but you know, it's, we're just hanging out with each other and uh, getting to know each other and uh, just trying to stay busy and stay in on top of everything with our job. Yeah. And it seems like such a unique sort of thing because any, any moment, like say when you're checking in that for like 7am and you're talking to the other, the other unit that's there, if a call comes in right then that interrupts it. If you know, you've got a whole class of third graders looking at the, the fire engine and a call comes in it's like all right kids get out of the way you know and so nope. any moment that could happen yeah it's funny like you'll like when we're just doing the shift change like you'll have like like say like the fire's dropping but all of a sudden everyone's like scrambling to get their stuff off the rig and your stuff on the rig and like it's a whole just like yeah it's just kind of craziness um so those calls do drop like right when like you're about to change and so that's why we try and encourage getting there even though your shift starts at seven just to try and get there like 6 30 so in case that call does drop around 6 30 you're there to do the change for them you know what i mean so that way they're not working over seven so but yeah. uh, it, it definitely does happen now do you have a specific role or is it kind of everybody knows the whole playbook type of deal yeah there's definitely ranks so for me right now i'm a firefighter and so there's uh like the firefighter role, then there's a paramedic role and an engineer role and then an officer role. And whether that officer is say a uh, lieutenant or captain. And those are kind of the, just the basic roles of the station. And then after that, you get into uh, say chiefs. And then there's a variety of chiefs in different areas of the fire service um, in our department, say like um, there's a battalion chief that kind of manages all the stations on shift. Also, to say chiefs of training, there's chiefs of EMS, then there's like administrative chiefs, then there's like the big chiefs, like the, 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 the highest important chiefs, like the chief of operations, and then your actual fire chief who's like the chief. So a lot of chiefs, but at the station, it's pretty, pretty much firefighter and then paramedic or um, engineer and then your officer. And uh, for me, being the firefighter, just kind of being like the least amount of seniority. Um, you know, we, it, it is a team effort when it comes to chores, when it comes to cooking and cleaning. I try and be that drive for the rest of the crew because like the more you get into your um, career, like, you know, when you become a paramedic, when you become a uh, engineer or an officer, you have like kind of side assignments as well, you know, and they can get pretty busy. So I try and get a lot of the stuff done at the station. Say we have field days where field days are kind of just like, you know, the daily chores of, uh, say, like, you know, it's cleaning out the bay, you know, it could be just cleaning out the weight room or cleaning out the kitchen, you know. So I try and just make sure, like, you know, those guys can kind of get their stuff done because they, they as um, as their roles, they have a couple of what we call, like, collateral duties. So they're pretty busy. Not that I'm not, but, like, you know, the, like, the further you get into your career, like, the more stuff you're going to have to do. And the more assignments you probably have. So, you know, and when it comes to like calls, like, you know, EMS calls, like I'm the, I'm the one, uh, you know, just like kind of helping them with the paramedic, like checking the vitals, being the closest one to the patient, helping kind of get them to the pram and doing whatever the paramedic needs me to do with, 
with flyers, I'm actually the one on the nozzle. So like, you know, you got your hose, you got your nozzle. I'm the first one in the building with my partner and uh, we're the ones going in and putting out fires. Like officers and engineers will probably be outside. Like engineers will be working with their engine because that's basically their assignment is their engine. And they'll be making sure that water's flowing through the nozzle. You know, we have water. And then the officer will kind of um, be running, you know, just command is what we call it. And uh, they'll just be managing the whole scene. And then me and the paramedic will go inside. But the firefighter, you're on the nozzle. You're first in. You're going in into the burning building. And uh, you're the one putting out the fire. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really cool role. It's where you get your foundation for the job. It's a lot of the fundamentals for the job is with the firefighting. And then you can branch out and make it a little more complex. We'll say engineering fire and um, paramedic. How many people are on the same shift as you like in the building or at my station um, now? Um, so it's just that ambulance and it's the engine and there's around, uh, there's five of us. So there's three people, there's three personnel on the uh, engine and that's an, that's a lieutenant, an engineer and a paramedic. And then on um, the ambulance, it's me and a paramedic. And I'd say that's pretty much the case for every station. I think um, one of the stations, you can add a battalion chief who's just like living at the station as well during that time. And then at another station, we have a, what we call a SAM officer. It's a safety and medical. And they're driving around in an SUV. They're, they're, their role's a little different. Um, so they're more administrative. Uh, I wouldn't say administrative, but um, they kind of help out with medical calls. When on fire calls, they're kind of running the, the safety, making sure everyone's you know, has like everything on, make sure that they're appropriately like ready to go. That one will take probably five minutes. That, that job is pretty complex, but basically it's the five or six person team at every station for set. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine the times that I've seen like the firefighters and what, what time of day it is sort of on their unit. Now that I have this new information about the job and I'll like walk by and they're hanging out in their chairs right outside the station yeah, having sort of family time after, you know, stuff's gotten done. It's later in the night and they're just watching the neighborhood yeah. for either the call to come or, you know, for sleep time. Yeah, it's I definitely call it like family time. And yeah, when you see them kind of doing that, it's it's like I said, it's just a really cool thing where it's just you're just hanging out and just talking about life and just kind of getting to know each other, you know, because we all I think we all know each other well in a on a pretty personable level. And I think that's important. You know, I think one of the, one of my coworkers told me, you know, it's really important to kind of get to know your coworkers, especially, you know, their families and everything. Cause you know, it's, I mean, honestly, it'll help motivate you. Cause when we work in these burning buildings, like anything can happen and you hear these stories about like, you know, like firefighters going down and it can happen to anyone, you know, to kind of be in that scenario. If you have to like, you know, help rescue you know, your fellow firefighter in a building, like, you know, knowing them, knowing their families, getting to know them very well. Like it only helps you and drive you more to get them out. Not that it doesn't before, but you know what I mean? Like just yeah. having that personal connection, knowing, you know, helping them out more. It's building those relationships is very much a part of the job. Right. Knowing, knowing really what's at stake, but also knowing that, you know, if it happens to you, they're going to be there for you and Absolutely. having that trust. Absolutely. It's a lot of EMS work. And um, you're saying that that came from the ski patrol and what you had done before. So you were into, you were working at Arapaho Basin before. Mm -hmm. 
I can kind of tell you, I, I'll give you a little bit of background. It's kind of crazy just kind of talking about firefighting now. I mean, if you talk to me when I was the 19-year-old moving out here, this was where I was going to be now. I would have told you you were crazy, um, especially just with working with EMS. And I, I, back, back when I was growing up, like, you know, dropping out of college and then living at home at work and just like these these just kind of seasonal jobs. And my parents was pressuring me, just being like, hey, like you need to kind of figure out what you're going to do, you know? And my parents were supportive. Like they were like, if you want to go to college, go to college. But, you know, it doesn't seem like you really know what you want to do. And I didn't. And I, in hindsight, like going to college was probably one of the worst decisions I made. And luckily it only took me a semester to realize that. You know, I just figured if I, there's something I wanted to do, that I was motivated to do, like I'm going to do it. Otherwise, you know, I, I'm not going to, kind of waste my time as much so um but working those kind of just those simple kind of boring jobs like you know you're just kind of like man am i that person right now like where i'm just going to be working these kind of odd jobs and just going to be one of those people around the town i grew up in just like and it just got it kind of got maybe more of like my lower kind of place in my life where i just really was in a rut no real direction there's no real kind of like dreams or kind of goals that i had I just remember um, it was like October or September and um, it was my uncle in Breckenridge just kind of just pitching that idea to me about a basin, just like, well, not a basin specifically, but you know, just more like, Hey, like you ever want to come out here? And um, I remember once, just once I um, came out here in high school and I just was just like, this is, this is incredible. Uh, the mountains are like twice the size of like East coast mountains. Like the snow is like so much better you know, the skiing so much better for me. So like, you know, I was like, well, you know, if I'm not going to do anything, I might as well enjoy uh, doing the sport I love, you know, so I might as well just ski a little bit. And that's kind of how the idea sparked. Uh, when I was applying, like I applied to a few other ski areas and I applied to a base. And, and like I said, it was, it was very, it was just very much a simple like place, like it, where it was just like, you're not parking over here, taking a bus over there. And there's like five different base areas. It's like there's one base area. You go there to ski or snowboard. And it's as simple as that. And they have, in my mind, the best terrain in the county. So, um, you know, and that's those are kind of all the big things for me. But then the interview I had was just, it was a very personable interview um, that I had um, with the uh, HR. Her name was Courtney at the time. And, uh, you know, I was just like, I have really good vibes from this place. And then... Um, you know, I remember just being like all nervous. I'm like, oh, are these people going to hire me? Are these people going to hire me? And I remember the H, uh, Courtney, the HR lady, like I, I was in khakis. I was in a button down shirt. I remember just like really being nervous when I flew out here for interviews. And I, I think it was Courtney who told me, uh, you were the nicest dressed lift up interview I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like my parents prepping me like, oh, like, did you shave? Oh, did you get a haircut? Like, you know, what are you wearing? Are you wearing like this and that? Not that people were wearing like sweatpants or anything, but like I was dressed ready to roll. Uh, so it was kind of funny. So, um, but no. Well, also uh, for, it, for reference, you're originally from Massachusetts. So you were coming from Massachusetts into yes. sort of a culture in Colorado. And that, I think that was like the first time, like the first time I kind of realized like, you know, life is different out here. And so, um, yeah, I got hired. I started working and they got me an employee housing and that was a, that was a crazy experience. It was awesome. You know, it's just, you're living with a lot of the coworkers. It's just a dormitory style living. But I mean, like that year, you just kind of really shape your friendships and 
like who you want to surround yourself with. And I mean, um, it's really cool. You develop a lot of great friendships there and have uh, some crazy, awesome experiences, but it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then I just remember, I'm like, well, I never really thought what I was going to do. I'm like, Oh, I guess I'll maybe go back home. And then it was Courtney who was, and I mean, throughout the year, like Courtney was like, I mean, talk about just, just kind of a personal experience, like, you know, just a personal experience that I got. Courtney was awesome. Like she was basically like my older sister and just kind of how she looked out for me. It was just helping me out and stuff. And just, you did not feel like a number at a base. And I just felt like, like the, one of the HR, like, you know, heads there is like, like my older sister. So, I mean, it's just that you definitely just felt like this is, it's a different place, you know, like this is awesome. And so you definitely felt the trust, but it was awesome. Courtney told me at the end of the uh, year, she's like, Hey, you know, I work part-time at the Marina and, uh, Dylan, like, you know, if you want a job, I can get you an interview. And I'm like, Oh, I guess I never thought about that. And, you know, so I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll apply. And then I'm like, Oh, I got a job. And it's like, Oh, I guess I'll just work here in the summer and I'll just <laughs> come back and I'll just come back in the winter, you know? So it just kind of fell into place that way. I just, it was funny. I never thought about it. I, I was like, Oh, I guess I'll just go back at the end of the year. This was an awesome year. But then, yeah, it's just like, work the summer, come back. And I'm like, oh, I guess I can just live here, you know? And so that's kind of how it all started. And then next year, um, I remember uh, the, the ski patrol having uh, tryouts, just working as a lift up. You know, it's, it's a fun job. It's a good kind of starting role. But, you know, for me, like, you know, I just watch the ski patrollers come through the lift line. You get to see what they do out in the hill whether it's like, you know, the avalanche mitigation with the, the bombs going off, you know, and just constantly kind of skiing around doing the EMS. It's like, these guys are the guys and girls are like badasses of the hill, you know? And so they're definitely kind of like, I don't know, intimidating a little bit. And then all of a sudden you hear like they're having tryouts. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I was really nervous. Um, I did talk to the patrol, the assistant patrol director at the time a little bit. Like, you know, you kind of say hi to him because it's, it's such a small resort. You kind of know people a little bit like the patrollers talk to you like everyone kind of knows each other and so uh the assistant patrol director and i swear this is the only reason why he hired me on patrol but we were both from massachusetts so maybe he just wanted like another pats fan to kind of like you know help group with him or something but <laughs> no um he we had a good relationship you know and um he was the one telling me to try out stuff and i was like yeah i guess i can and it was pretty funny. So 50 of us, 60 of us, and like, you know, this is like grown, grown adults, you know, professional adults, in my opinion, you know, trying out for like, you know, say five spots. And it was like, you know, we had like the uh, interviews and in like, you know, kind of the face to face interviews and we had the ski tryouts. And um, I remember this. Uh, I, I actually, um, I actually was trying out for copper too at the time. I did, Cause I was just like, man, patrolling seems like it's a really fun job. But obviously, a basin is where I want to be. But just in case of maybe I didn't get a job, like you know, I was trying out copper too. But tried out copper, and like they, I remember, like their ski trials were like so, like they, like a little more like kind of black and white, a little bit, you know, just kind of looking at like kind of skill. It, it was, it, it just, it was all right. But I just more focusing on the a basin one. I just remember, like you know, there was it was it was just more fluid. It was just more of like a uh, a looseness to it, and uh, like. It's like, oh, just come ski down. We're just going to watch you ski. And you hear these other places. Like I was talking to some of the other people who were trying out. And it's like, oh, at this other mountain, they were like videotaping us. Like videotaping you as you're skiing. I don't know. I just think that that's kind of just 
intimidating and silly, but like with like the A Basin ones, it's just like they're just watching us and then you just kind of ride the chair and you get to talk with the patrollers. So I remember this one run though, and I'm the only thing I had going for me in this tryout was my skiing. Like, you know, I was fortunate to ski a lot of my life. And so I had a good foundation with skiing. I used to ski race growing up. And so that was the one thing I had. And so I, at that age too, you kind of get a little arrogant uh, with the skiing. Like, you know, you just want to open it up a little bit. And so I remember ripping some turns down the run and it was Tony, the patrol, the assistant patrol director at the time watching me. And I remember just like ripping turns. I'm like, oh, there he is. And I'm just going to really kind of make it look good. And I remember just catching my edge and just, just falling. And I just, I yard sailed and I, and it was right in front of him. And I, it was just funny how it worked out. I, sl- I, I slid right at him and came to a complete stop, like right at his feet. But, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And I just remember looking up at him, you know, and the only thing I could say, cause I was smiling. I was just like, uh, did you see that? You know, and, he laughed and got my stuff up but um you know i i, I could tell like you know because you watch these other people and it's just kind of get they get really stressed out you know when they fall and they come up with excuses looking back on that like you know as a career like looking back on it now it's like that that makes sense like how like i kind of kind of turned that into a positive you know it's like you know working on the hill like you know you can't take yourself too seriously and um you know fall everyone falls and I think as a patroller, especially, you have to have a sense of humor with yourself and with skiing. So um, I think something like that kind of made an impression on him a little bit. I don't know. It was just funny. I, like I said, I don't know how I got the job, but somehow after that fall and I guess my interview, like they hired me as one of the five. Everyone else was like in their kind of maybe early to mid 20s, but like, you know, way more qualified. And then there was me. It was kind of funny how just starting out, like, you know. And so, um, sorry, we we're talking about EMS. So anyways, with EMS, like, well, you know, actually, had, so what was the, what was the interview like? The interview was funny. Um, so, uh, they broke it up. It was like Tony and then it was Beck's like Rebecca, short for Rebecca. We're running like half the interviews over here. And then it was, uh, Patrick and Ryan and Patrick was the, uh, uh, patrol director at the time running the other half. So. Since I, since I knew Tony and I knew uh, Bex a little bit, um, they wanted me to interview with Patrick and Ryan. So they kinda get, you kind of get like two different interviews. But I'm not saying like we interview, uh, I interviewed both pairs, but I only interviewed one pair. But you know what I mean? Like, so it, they kind of split it up with the, like, the duties. So not two people are interviewing all 60 people, I guess. But, you know, um, I didn't know Patrick too well. I didn't know Ryan too well. But, you know, uh, you know I, I'm trying to remember some of the questions. Like, uh, I kind of, I, I let them know. I'm like, you know, like I've been, I'm, I'm like, you know, 20 years old, 19 years old, you know, like I'm fairly new to this, but you know, like, you know, I think you guys are like the badasses of the hill and I want to do what you guys do. And so I think they saw the eagerness in me. Um, this the questions are pretty straightforward. You know, like it was funny. Like Patrick was telling me like, he's like, man, like I never thought I'd have the day where I'm interviewing someone who's younger than my years of patrolling. You know, and then I was like the first, that was like the first time for him where he's actually like realized that, like, you know, it was kind of like a old man moment for him, but no, it was, it was, it was good. It was a good talk. You know, like I try and be, you know, like personable and, you know, I was really just really enthusiastic. And I honestly, at the time of the interview, I could have gone either way, really. I had no idea I was going to get this job. So, uh, but the second they offered me the job, you know, I was like, I'm in. 
you know, like this is what I want to do and this is where I want to do it. So this is, this is it. So, and, um, and, and, you know, just you trying to get into EMS as well. Tony was telling me, um, you know, that I wanted me, that he wanted me to, uh, start out with getting my outdoor emergency care cert. And that's, and that's like a national ski patrol cert. It's kind of close to your EMT basic. It's a slightly different. It's a little more focused towards like outdoor wilderness than it is like, say like your general EMS. So I got that. And then eventually got my EMT. Yeah. Becoming, getting the EMS is, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's nothing like I never, I never would have thought like it's something that I wanted to do. Cause like my parents never were in EMS and you know, like no family members were ever in EMS. So I never knew anyone in EMS, you know, growing up. So I never thought that, but you know, it's kind of funny how it works out where it's like, I, I actually work well under stressful situations and like the sight of blood and bone, like broken bones and all the kind of goriness that comes with like, you know, the trauma, like does not phase me. And I didn't know that at the time, but going through the course, I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. You'll watch some people and they get squeamish when they see the sight of blood. And it's just for me, it's like, oh, I got blood too. It's fine. You know? <laughs> so, uh, but it was, it was such a cool challenge, such a cool thing. And so when you get into EMS too, like, um, with ski patrolling, we mainly deal with like trauma, but I've definitely gotten on some really, um, crazy calls, you know, um, you know, just like with people just like, skiing in the trees, skiing into each other or say like, you know, this is hitting something, but you know, and then it's just working as a team and it's whether you're kind of like, you know, when you first start in, you know, your AMT role, it's kind of just being like, you have your kind of incident commander kind of telling you, Hey, you deal with this. Hey, you deal with this, you know, like and you kind of get more task oriented and then, or you can, the further you get into patrolling, you get a little more like a uh, big picture and then you kind of start being like, all right, he's got this going, he's got the, or she's got this going like, you know, all right, where's the helicopter coming? So you really get good at like multitasking and, but it's all under that stress, you know? And so, but the stress really kind of just starts to fade away and you can really just focus on like black and white, like what you're working on. You can really forget about all the kind of other stuff like, Oh, this, this person's died. You know what I mean? Like when you, if that makes sense, like, you know, cause it's more like, yeah, this person's dying, but this is what we're doing to fix it. You know? Yeah. Um, there's there's steps that we have to take to help yeah. the situation and that's just what yeah. we have. yeah and that's just what, and, that, and we got this we're, we you know we're doing everything we can um but even starting out like you know with patrolling where like i'll say firefighting now like the one big difference between that and patrolling was like the ems part so like you know firefighting like there's like five of you going into the house going like at the like at a, at a car wreck wherever someone needs ems there's five of us and so, um, you know, so you got everything you need and it's all right there. Like ski patrolling, it's completely different where first you're trying to find someone because sometimes like, you know, they're not always where the reports come in. So you have to like know the area, ski around, start yelling. And uh, like some of the times they're not where the calls came in. So you really have to be savvy with your terrain knowledge and kind of know where to find them. Like finding just like almost half the battle. But then when you get there, it's just like running your assessment. It's you have to know what, like, it's, it's just, you're by yourself and you have such a short amount of time to know, you need to know exactly what you need to make that call because it's going to take about five, 10 minutes to get the rest of the stuff there. So it's, it's completely different, like, you know, with firefighting and ski patrolling. And then, like I said, you're just by yourself. And then like, you know, there's times when you're just kind of waiting for everything to get there and there's like that downtime. And 
So uh, that was kind of the, one of the bigger challenges to transitioning to firefighting from ski patrolling was just like, I'm not used to like having so many people here, you know, <laughs> like, especially having everything like right away too. Like, you know, cause they're just like, Oh, like, do we need the pram here now? Oh, do we need like, you know, like, uh, like how are we getting him out of this apartment? You know? And it's like, Oh crap, that's right. Like everything's right here. You let know, me, but let I'm, me ask you this. Cause I'm, I'm imagining there's so many different things that could happen. Like if, uh, let's say somebody, you know, skiing and they run to a tree, break their leg and you're the one that gets the call. Cause I'm, I'm imagining all oh, that could be a helicopter. There could be some like ski thing. What happens from start to finish when that comes in? So that, that, it, that or totally fix the depends. question if it, if it, if it needs fixed. No, no, no. Um, so that, that's a hard question. It's not black and white. Um, it's kind of a gray area because there's a lot of different variables that'll kind of help you decide what you need. With ski areas, with ski patrolling, we do have, say, like five or six like spots on the hill that are designated landing zones for helicopters to land. And they try and like spread them out to like general areas of the mountains so you can access them from mostly anywhere. So it's not really a like, you know, strenuous, like, you know, just a slog to get there. But you'll, you'll get a toboggan. And uh, do you know what a toboggan is? Like it's, you know, you got that little sled. It's got like the, like the, uh, the horns on it that kind of use, you can kind of steer. It's got the little like uh, uh, runners on the side. Kind of stay in the snow. Yeah, like, yeah, runners on the side. And so that's another big difference too with firefighting is just operating this toboggan. So most times like, you know, we'll have to get them down. Mostly all times we'll have to get them down the hill on a toboggan. So like, you know, you perform your EMS, you know, you get them all splinted, you get them ready to go. And then the second half of your battle begins where you're trying to get them down because not everyone hurts themselves on a green run. It's say a, uh, say a, like an extreme run, double black diamond, black diamond, it gets a little more complicated. So you need to know the terrain. You need to know kind of your route basically before you go down. It's like, all right, well, I know it kind of like, you know, if you hang a little more right in this run, that's going to be a little more smoother or it's going to be like, you know, less rocky, you know what I mean? Or it's the best access this way or that way. Also, on those types of runs, we'll have what we call tail ropers. So on the other end, so say if I'm like, you know, on the horns, you get your patient in the toboggan, I'm on the horns. My partner will be about 10 feet uphill of the toboggan with a rope that's tied to the toboggan. And the idea is on the uh, especially steep terrain, whether we have to kind of cut across the hill or just whether it's going straight downhill, they're taking a lot of the weight. So I think the ratio, what we say is like 60, 40, like the tail roper gets 60% of the weight while the uh, guy or the, the patroller in the uh, horns is taking about 40%. So that way you're not taking a hundred percent of the weight. If that makes sense. Cause yeah. it's really hard to kind of move and uh, like, you know, just get yourself down. Like, you know, you're working like every 50 feet, you kind of just like, all right. So this next 50 feet, you're talking to your partner, you're like, all right, I'm going to shoot right. I'm going to kind of just see if I can hit this uh, flat over here. When I say flat, more like no moguls, you know, like the smooth area over here. So because obviously moguls are just going to be like constantly moving your pace and you try and you want to try and make it the smoothest ride. And so, like I said, it's, it's all kind of crazy. Like kind of just like when you're in a bog and trying to do all this stuff, but we train a lot on it. So, um, but you're really working with your partner and communication is key where you're just like constantly talking. It's like, Hey, I'm going to shoot across. Right. So if I'm going to shoot across, right. To not flip the toboggan, my partner has to as well at the same time. 
so to kind of keep the toboggan kind of still stable like on the snow if that makes sense so it's uh it's it's pretty strenuous and it's uh it's definitely exhausting and it, it uh so anyways so you have that to worry with and then depending on the severity of the injury depending on where you are on the mountain you have to decide does this person need to get out of here sooner than when we can get to the base area say with um an ambulance you know so you have to make that call like all right do we need to have a helicopter land somewhere on the hill and then it's just thinking ahead to it's like all right well i need all these resources to meet me here to get us there because sometimes it's like i need a snowmobile once we hit a flat to get us across this access road to the lz some of the terrain in our mountain you'll have to actually um take the toboggan back up you have to put the toboggan on a chair we have like this metal frame that we can secure the toboggan to on the chair then we take them up in the toboggan the patient in the toboggan on the chair up the hill in our back pole there's a million different ways and you just got to really know all your resources you really have to know kind of like time wise what this person needs how long do they have there's a million different ways basically and I mean, like you said, these guys are the badasses on the mountain, but they're putting in so much time learning all these the complex logistical things and also the high level EMS and being able to decide what needs to happen exactly when to help these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's also like, you know, sometimes we have like our technical rescue. So because we have the high alpine above treeline terrain and sometimes we'll need to set up anchors and just kind of lower them that way if it's like too steep. For us to just to have a person in the horns and say a person on tail rope, we'll have to set them up into a like kind of a up haul or down haul system and like you know just get them out that way. So there's a like like I said, it's it's really complex. It's that's one thing I love about the job is just you know there's so much stuff to learn with this job and get good at. You could be ten years in and you're still kind of learning new stuff every day. Like it's not it never gets routine. It never gets boring. So with that, you're you're saying you're like getting anchors and then lowering someone down one of these rock faces, right? Yeah. Okay. So that person has made quite a few mistakes and things are not <laughs> going their way. Um, yeah. So, um, there's parts of our terrain where like, you know, we have like common anchor points that we can set up at, you know, and, uh, like landmarks is what we call them. And you can set up there, we can lower them down that way. And that way it's way more of a controlled, like uh setting you know where it's just you got someone on belay and you just kind of like you got someone walking with the toboggan just kind of lowering them that way because it could be like you know say the terrain's really steep maybe it's really narrow maybe it's just it's so it's just so rocky here and there that like you know it's just you can't you just can't get them out on the normal the way to do it and then there's the whole snow mitigation um avalanche mitigation stuff that you have to learn you know, like, you know, just the EMS and just the rescue parts, like only a fraction of the job. Then you get into like the avalanche mitigation, and which is like probably why a lot of people get like try and get on patrol. It's like how cool to be to kind of throw bombs on slopes and set up avalanches, you know? So yeah, what's the process there? Because <laughs> the way you say it, it sounds pretty just, you know, ah, throw a bomb and then <laughs> ski down on top of it. So, I mean, we'll, like at our mountain, you know, we have avalanche terrain. And that's just terrain that's, you know, that's not man-made snow. And that's a certain angle um, of slope that can create av- that's that can create avalanches. So what we do, like, you know, throughout the season is, is just we try and uh, 
kind of gets a little more complex when you get into like a, like your avalanche one course and stuff. Basically, like we try and make these slopes like kind of safe from unstable snow. And unstable snow could be like little weak layers within the snow, say. And what we do throughout the season is we try and just step on it, break it up. Because the more you break a lot of these snowpacks up, the more stable they become. You get rid of those weak layers in between. So whenever you're at a ski area and you see like ski patrollers literally just with their skis on, like stepping down like slopes, we're really trying to get into those snowpacks and really trying to break stuff up. So that way, like, you know, when new snow comes in afterwards, you're not getting any sort of weak layers in the snow. And so that way you have like, you know, stable uh, runs throughout the year is is the goal. There's that type of like kind of uh, snow safety that we practice first. And then um, later in the season, what we want to do is to say, if you get a significant amount of snow overnight, we'll go out and we'll do our run checks in the morning. This is before we open, so the runs aren't, uh, aren't accessible to public. We just try and get out there, touch every inch as possible, just to make sure that there's no weak snow that's going like, to cause avalanches on anyone. And whether that's our ski cuts, um, we get to use explosives as well, so... Say if there's like big loads, you know, and there's potential for, say, like these big pockets to rip out, you know, we have our shots to throw on it to test it before we test it with our skis so we're not committed on the slope. And so that's kind of the goal is we're just really testing the snowpack. And sometimes snow will fall and it bonds well with the old snow, and that's fine. Um, But if it doesn't, we want to make sure we test it before public does is the goal. And so before we test it, we want to throw explosives on it too, though. So it's, uh, it's really cool do that you get to see sometimes you get to see some really cool like little avalanches um you know honestly just kind of skiing around just kind of hucking explosives and you know just kind of working with your partner it's it's a really cool morning it's a really fun morning you know because it just i love being outside i love when it's just blizzard out you like you know you can barely see your partner and stuff like that and you're just jogging through i just i love the nasty weather and then you just kind of got your explosives and you're just trying to get those types of tasks done where you're just trying to you know, get this terrain open. It's it's probably one of the more fun parts of the job, I'd say. And what we're throwing it, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get it at an area, like say if like like you know if there's like a new snow load over here, just want to throw it over there, throw in it a little further, so that way you're not committing yourself before, you know, because like say like if you have no idea how the snow's reacting, like you don't want to commit yourself into something where you're going to go in an avalanche, so you can throw the charge on it, and the charge is going to test it for you. And so if the charge goes off, most likely not going to go, but then we'll still keep, we'll still do our ski cuts and test them. You know, the idea is like, you know, you can throw your shot and then get into a safe spot. When I say safe spot, it's like, you know, if, if like, you know, say the charge does go off, you are not going to be involved in that avalanche whatsoever. So that's the idea with it. And so um, it's not like, you know, it's not like a grenade when you have like 10 seconds or anything like that. Like you'll have two and a half minutes from when you throw it to, when it goes off. And so that's kind of what you're hearing. Like, you know, when we're doing the early mornings, it's just, it's just an extra tool we have to help test the uh, snowpack. Not going to lie there. It's, it's a really fun part of the job to kind of get into avalanche, like, you know, mitigation and get into kind of how avalanches work and snow science and all that stuff. You got into the ski patrol pretty young and you worked there for 12 years. What are some of the big takeaways or lessons that you got from that part of your life? With, with a base and ski patrol, um, I definitely developed a lot of great relationships, working relationships, very fortunate, um, to have those. And I think, especially with a base and, um, I think they really try and 
pride themselves in being kind of well-versed ski patrollers. It's not just the MS, it's not just snow safety, but I mean, like, you know, trail work, for instance, you know, just there's, there's so many facets of this job, like, you know, that you just, you really need to be skilled at. A Basin definitely is the mountain that really tries to like pride themselves and just like, we can handle anything. Cause like you can go to other ski areas and they'll have like twice the, like say like they'll have like twice the amount of staffing. Not that we don't, not that we're short staffed, but like, you know, I think, we try and pride ourselves in being, it only takes two patrollers, A bays and patrollers to handle what say like, you know, another patrol, another patrol with five people can handle. You know what I mean? Like we try and pride ourselves in being that way. We really try and, uh, you know, just try and get really well versed in the job and get really kind of tough and just prepared. You know, I got, I was, I was actually pretty fortunate. You know, I, I was allowed to have experiences that I don't care how rich you are in this world or how much money you make. I have, I have experiences that there's there that you cannot buy or pay for. And um, whether it's like, you know, we have exchange programs and we get to go work with other ski areas and they'll send two patrollers to our mountain. We send two patrollers to their mountain. Like we really get to know like other mountains on such a personal level and other patrols on such a personal level. And I, you know, honestly, it's just like uh, the biggest one that sticks out though, is just this lifestyle. Honestly, I miss it a little bit. Kind of like, you know, I, I, I love firefighting. Definitely miss just kind of the lifestyle, just working up at the ski area, working up at a basin. Like that patrol is your family. And um, I was fortunate enough to be year round there, you know, so I got to be up there. But, you know, some people go away for the summers, but, you know, it's that's my family when I'm up there, you know, like I, some of my best friends, some of my closest people, like, you know, like for instance, like Tony. Tony was, uh, is, he's a patrol director now, like one of my closest friends, you know, he was the one who actually married me and my wife. My boss married me and my wife. Like, I don't know how many people could say that. And so it's just, I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's just this lifestyle. Just, we have the, we have the, uh, like the holidays we spend together, like kind of grinding through like these, like these life experiences we go through with each other. And I don't know. I think it was this, uh, this quote that, um, one of my late bosses had, he, uh, he passed away. He was, um, hiking with his son and he had a heart attack um, on a hill, but he was uh, the snow safety director when I was first starting out. And this quote has kind of been like kind of our, I don't know, it's been kind of like the quote for patrolling for us, you know, and it's, I think it was one of the patrollers said to him, like, you know, it's a shame we don't really ever get rich with this job. And then my boss told him, well, that's how you measure your riches. That's how we kind of say it. it's like, how do you measure your riches? If you know what I mean? And for me, like my, patrolling from like 20 to 32 years old or was 31 32 i have experiences and i have skills and just i feel very fulfilled and i just so certain things money can't buy and i was and i'm really really grateful i guess that that makes sense yeah absolutely and you know how do you measure your riches is an incredible way of putting it and putting all of that into perspective of where your values where are you getting joy or getting rewarded for the decisions you make mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah you're working at a scary it's really you know it's i mean it's fun and everyone thinks like you know you're having the time of your life but still at the same time like it's a job you know and so you are grinding it out you are working you are busting your hump but you're working for different things than other people i'm glad i have that perspective moving on with the rest of my life i mean i'm still a part of that family i still work up there but it's definitely helped shape who i am and how i prioritize things in my life and when you left there to go to firefighting how did that 
how did that happen? How did you get to that decision? So that was, that was hard. I I've, I've known a firefighting for a while. I wanted to be able to, uh, you know, just set this new challenge for myself and, you know, applying for it. It's like, it wasn't a guarantee I was going to get the job. It was just with this job is just, you can really challenge yourself in a different way with fires. You can challenge yourself. Like, you know, there's a whole different variety of jobs, like, of parts to, to EMS and to kind of like, you know, first responder with the fire side of stuff. And, you know, I just, I was looking for a new challenge, you know, at the time and there's nothing against patrolling, but I was just really excited to try and to try this firefighting gig out when I was looking into it. And patrol, like I said, patrolling is, patrolling is awesome. I love it. I, I don't take it back and I don't mean, and leaving it was no sort of way of like being like, Oh, like there was any sort of deficiency. I think it was just I was in that county for about twelve years and like being at a basin at a basin for twelve years, you know, I just I just wanted to have a new challenge. And like, you know, I was just like, well, you know, like if I can try and be a firefighter, I'd love to like try it out. And what's nice is like I actually still get the ski patrol as well while being able to firefight. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. So I kind of get to have a career firefighting and then also like I go up to a base and, and I'm a part-time ski patroller and, um, you know, it's like I never left up there. You know, I still get to be a part of the family, um, up there on patrol and hang out with everyone, see everyone, keep those relationships. And then I honestly, like, I just, it's definitely not for the money. It's just kind of just to be up there and just kind of still ski patrol a little bit, you know, and just kind of get on skis and get me out of the, out of the suburbs a little bit down here in Denver. Yeah, you can definitely hear that it's it's something you really enjoy doing, and that there's the passion there for it. It, it was it wasn't an easy decision, you know. Like I was conflicted about it because it's just I do love this job. Like I love ski patrolling. Like I like everything, everything I have from this job, like you know, has shaped who I am. Like so many experiences, you know. You think about it at the time, and you're just like, man, a new challenge would be great. You know, firefighting, especially like you know, it's a great. It's just a it's a great career. It's got a great schedule too. So it's like you know, you can kind of do things like you know, four days off. You can kind of still do part time stuff and have other interests as well. But no, like with ski patrolling, it's like those guys, those guys and girls know me better than anyone. Like you know, that's where I met my wife. Like my wife ski patrolled with me for five years. It's a unique job that you can't really get, like, you know, just with working at these, like, you know, at the ski area, for instance, like, you know, you just, you, I just remember like my first few years, especially just being like, you know, I felt it's, it's, it's weird when you feel out of place, but your whole life, like growing up in the same town, but you didn't know it. Like you, you couldn't put in your thoughts into words. It's like, man, this stuff just doesn't feel right. And then when you move to a place like Summit County and you work at a place like a base and like, for me, it was, oh. I just was in the wrong place. Like this place is where I need to be. And th- these people are exactly like me. Just like I said, I was very grateful with a basin. Like I can't imagine. I mean, just with the, like, you know, with everything that happened, it's just funny. Like looking back on it, even like, you know, before, you know, just thinking about like doing this interview, I was just kind of like doing some self-reflection myself of just like moving out here and just the whole thing. And just kind of looking back and it's just kind of crazy. Like I moved out here. I wouldn't say with my tail between my legs necessarily, but like, you know, really just at a low point where I just really had no idea what was going on in my life. I will say like, besides like marrying my wife, I'd say moving to Colorado and working at a base with two best decisions I ever made. I found myself, you know, I found what I was good at, what I liked. And I never would have done that back east. I never would have challenged myself like I did out here. I don't, I, I am positive. I wouldn't have been nearly as successful. Like I would not have been a firefighter if I stayed back east. 
Um, it was only through like kind of working at a base and I feel was when I got challenged and I felt a part of something, you know, and I committed myself to something. That's the thing with working at a base and is like, you know, like you can succeed and whether it's there or whether it's anywhere else, like I genuinely feel like a base and wants, like if you're going to commit yourself there and you want to be part of the family, they want you there to succeed and whatever you want to do, just how like it helped me grow into an adult become a firefighter like you know like one of the things that sticks out was just even when i was applying to firefighting just how like you know like some companies some places a business would be like like you know bitter maybe not wanting to help as much you know and not i guess maybe being more like selfish a basin was not the case it was how can we help you you want to take this next step in your life like that's awesome um like my boss tony i remember just you know having like talking to him about it like this is when i talk about it being a family it they get it. You know, if you want to have a, if you want to try something and try a new challenge, like they want to help you as much as possible. And I was so grateful because it's like Tony, uh, my boss, like that's my only job. Like, you know, I'm putting stuff on a resume. It's like a base ski patrol. This guy is the guy you're going to talk to. Like there's not much else I'm putting on this resume, but you know, like Tony couldn't have been more helpful with that. It was awesome. I was very grateful. And then to get the, the love too from everyone else. They want you to succeed in life. And if it's at a basin, great. And if it's not, that's great too. But it's a family. And I can say that, you know, 100% with 100% honesty. Like that's the experience I got in my transition to firefighting, which almost made me miss it even more. <laughs> it almost made me like kind of question it even more like, oh, maybe I really should have stayed. But no, I'm, I'm really happy with everything now. But sorry, that was a little long winded there. But uh, I can't thank the, like, you know, a basin enough with how. It shaped me and who I am today. Now that you've done seasonal lifestyle and have you led people into it? Have you have seen people that were kind of like you when you were younger and said, Hey, why don't you try kind of like your uncle did? Like, Hey, why don't you try this thing? Yeah, a little bit. I definitely, I've definitely been that kind of recruiter type I'd say with patrol. Cause it's just like, you know, when you work at the ski area a little bit, like, you know, you kind of get it sucked into that world and then you got these people who, like who I kind of like, I think of myself when I see them and it's just like, oh, kind of don't know what you're doing, you know, kind of feel a little lost as well, huh? You know, and you're just kind of out here having fun and maybe you'll go back. You haven't really thought about it. And um, I definitely can say I've recruited a few people onto our patrol, kind of doing the same thing, telling a similar story to them, being like, why don't you try trying out? I think like you just talk to Tony, do like, you know, or talk to the director and uh, maybe get some, uh, you know, just hang out with us, get some shadow days in where they just come in and just get to meet us and just kind of ski with us, you know? And it's funny because some of those same people have been working with me for like, I don't know, five, 10 years. And uh, I'm just kind of happy. I kind of helped show them the way a little bit, you know, and they kind of helped recruit and, you know, just kind of have po- any positive influence on anyone that I can have is, is a huge win for me. Cause you never know, like, you know, when I was that age, it's just like, I was fortunate. I was definitely fortunate to have some positive people that kind of helped me because like, you know, if you're, like you said, like, it's like with any job, with anything, like you really have to like, kind of find, like look within yourself to really kind of stay motivated and really kind of like, they give you all the tools, but it's really ultimately up to you to like make the right choices and kind of just like want to go for it. If I can help people sway them into kind of being motivated and kind of help do things like it's, it's really rewarding. So I'm really happy for that. And then also just like, I forgot to even mention in the last point, like the other crazy thing was like, I came out here by myself and I had no idea how it was going to go. Like I just, 
I remember like the first day while I was driving up to A Basin, like on my long drive out here. And I remember that moment, like so much. Was talk- I think I was talking to a friend on the phone. I was just like, oh, I don't know how it's going to it's gonna happen, but you know, I'm just excited to start and everything and just how everything blossomed because, you know, not only do I have a firefighting career, like, you know, an amazing life, an awesome life um, to thank, but it's like my parents. My parents were pretty much just like straight up like nested in Massachusetts and my sister, my whole family. My sister was right down the street from me with her husband. Like she moved out here and my parents sold the house we grew up in. They live out here now. So kind of just like this crazy story and how like everything got to where it is now. Just kind of having like, you know, just having a wife too. And like, you know, my wife's pregnant right now actually with our first kid, you know, just like everything, how everything's kind of come together here. Like I said, it's just kind of funny, just kind of looking back and reflection and then just kind of giving, like talking to you right now and just kind of thinking just kind of how everything's just kind of come to where it is now. It's just, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's a of the full story. And then you got the Schofield migration from New England to Colorado. Now the, the little addition to the family. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I mean, we're as, as excited as we are. We're very scared, but excited. <laughs> Right. Smart. Very smart way to go. (laughs) But like I said, like, you know, that's just, I, I mean, the people who are looking into it, I mean, it can change your life, especially when you're at a time, you know, when you don't really know what you want to do. Um, and, and things just aren't really clicking with where you're at. It's awesome. I mean, you just kind of find these people all in the same place and you, and you, when you feel like kind of an outcast or a misfit for your whole life, and then you come to a place like this and you're like, you feel part of something. Even when you're just starting there, like, you know, with a lot of the other new people, it's just like, you all have the same interests. You like being outdoors. You like having fun, like kind of just like, you like the, like snowboarding or skiing, you know, and working with your hands and you like to have fun and everything. And, you know, everyone kind of just like finds each other. And then from there, it's just, you build some great relationships that last decades, you know, and if you really just kind of like put your mind to it and really want to make something out of it, especially like with a base and like, they really want you to succeed. And so like, you know, like I said, like I'm, I'm grateful. Like I'm totally 100% grateful with the experience that I had that got me to hear. Like, you know, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, with me, like, you know, busting my hump here and there, like, you know, it's helped, but I couldn't have done it with the people without the people I had in front of me. I couldn't have without, without a doubt. Well, Tom, uh, thanks so much for coming on the episode. It was, it was great talking to you and hearing your story. Oh, thank you. I'm glad I could share it. Like I said, I am so grateful and I'm, I can't recommend this enough to people. Like I said, like, I think I did about half as much like to kind of get me to where I'm at. But, you know, I think with the right people around you and a basin for me was it, it got me to where I was today and I couldn't be more grateful and thankful for the people I had to help me. Yeah, That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.